This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 1st of December 2021. Happy summer, everyone. Happy summer indeed. And of course, we're on day three of Omicronicast watch. We're watching this variant. And one of the things that we heard, we've heard over the last day, Norman, because it's been a bit of a roller coaster this week since it was first announced as a variant of interest just a few days ago, is that now we're hearing people say it looks like it might be milder. It might cause milder disease. And isn't that a great idea? So give it to us straight, Doc. Do we have enough information yet to say that Omicron is indeed milder, or is that maybe just a bit of wishful thinking? It's too early. So thank you for joining us on CoronaCast and we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) So the story is really dependent on South Africa at the moment because South Africa is really the one country where you've seen significant spread in the population. Interestingly, there was a lecture given in South Africa by one of their leading scientists looking at at COVID-19. And the South Africans are actually quite sanguine about this variant. They're, They're not panicking they're not seeing what they think is a severe disease. The caveat with that is while there's a surge and some are predicting thousands of cases a day, many thousands of cases a day by the end of this week, it's still predominantly in a young population and where you are getting clinical reports from general practitioners and others and it's predominantly in a a young population. So we don't really know yet the extent to which it's going to be a serious disease in older groups and in other populations. So the initial news is good, but I think there's a lot of hopefulness going on around the world that this could be the virus that gets us out of COVID jail. In other words, this is the beginning of endemicity. Endemicity. (laughs) Endemicness? Endemicness, yeah. This is the beginning of endemicity. So in other words, we are, it's what people are being hoping for, is that we get to a point where you get enough evolution of the virus that it loses its virulence and we gain herd immunity, to it, true herd immunity to it, without getting sick in addition to vaccination. There's just a lot of hope going on without a lot of evidence. And here's the slightly anxiety-provoking thing is we might not find out for quite a while because we're controlling it at the moment. So everybody's thro- thrown up their borders. We've not got very much entering other countries. It's going to have a slow start. So it will expand. It will affect significant numbers in other countries if it does push Delta out the way. And that's still a big if. We don't know that for sure. It looks that way, but we don't know for sure. And if it does, then we'll start to see a pattern. But that could take a long time. Are you saying it's a bad thing that we're controlling it? No, but it's a side effect of controlling it, not exactly understanding its behavior. So it looks good at the moment. And we're probably going to be relying on Southern African uh, experience with this for quite some time. Because we did get a question about this from Alan, among others, sort of saying, could it be that if this variant is more transmissible but less severe in disease than than Delta, that it could be a good thing? And um, is this a step towards the COVID pandemic burning itself out? But you're saying probably not, Alan, or too early to say. It's too early to say. It, It could well be. This idea, and we spoke about this quite a bit last year at the beginning of Chronocast, is there a natural evolutionary tendency for virus, new viruses, new bugs, as they evolve and mutate, to become less severe? And the answer is yes and no. There is some evidence from some, but it's not inevitable. 
And so there was no guarantee of that. But it's always a possibility. And it would be great if that's the case. If that's the case, we don't need to close our borders, we open up, we let it rip. But at this moment in time, there's a bit of nervousness about that. And that's about something we'll deal with a bit more tomorrow, which is about vaccine resistance. And that's what's making people nervous as well, particularly in Australia. But when you hear, for example, the chief medical officer saying, and the minister for health saying, it looks okay at the moment, it does actually, based on uh, South African data, but it's just too early to say, and it's too early to say the extent to which we're vulnerable here in Australia, even with high vaccination rates. And there, like you say, there is a lot of nervousness about this. And we've heard health authorities over the past few days warning that the world needs to wait and see with Omicron, like to not sort of overreact to its emergence. And, um, and last night, the Australian authorities sort of met to decide what was going to happen in National Cabinet. And it looks like for now, they are going to go with that wait and see approach. Well, it's not complete wait and see. So they're, they're stopping people coming in from South Af- Southern African states. And if Australians come back, they're going to go into hotel quarantine. And for everybody else, it's 72 hours isolation. With, uh, and in New South Wales, it's increased penalties. There's a, some variation around the country. So we're not exactly opening the doors, but we are taking some care. So this variant has a whole lot of mutations that are making people a little bit nervous because they look like they're the sorts of things that perhaps make it more transmissible and maybe even escape our immunity. But there's one or two variations in its genome that's actually proving useful to us. It's got a missing part of its genome compared to other forms of coronavirus. That means it's actually easy to pick up, which could end up being a real win for us in terms of monitoring it. Well, you still need genomics to actually work out the specificity of the virus and where it might come from and its transmission path. At least one version of the PCR test can actually detect it. And how it does that is the PCR test amplifies the RNA in the virus and it particularly looks for three uh, target genes. And one of them is this S gene on the spike protein. And this S gene drops out in the Omicron virus. And there have been other viruses in the past where you've seen this S gene drop out. So they actually paradoxically pick up the Omicron virus by not picking up the S gene out of the three target genes. And it's like a screening test. You still have to go to genomics to find out where it might have come from because even though it's the Omicron, there'll be variations with the Omicron that might tell you that it came from Botswana or it came from Belgium or somewhere else or a particular person who landed. But grossly, you can find out whether or not you've got the Omicron virus around and you know, within a few hours with a PCR test rather than waiting a couple of days for the genomics. And the World Health Organisation's actually suggested that countries consider doing wastewater testing to just kind of get a sense of how much could be out there by using this relatively simple technique. Yes, they do use PCR tests in wastewater by amplifying the RNA and it would be less accurate, um, more prone to error, but they, they may well be able to detect it in some samples. So as usual, we're getting heaps of questions from our audience. And I think this new variant has kind of reminded people of the gaps that they might have in some of their sort of fundamental scientific knowledge. So let's tackle some of those now. Alec is asking about how we've mentioned before that variants can outcompete other variants and is wondering, what does this mean exactly? What's the mechanism behind it? Is it just that one variant generates far more cases or does the new variant somehow stop the spread of the old one? So what you're seeing here is evolution at high speed. And when we say that a virus outcompetes others, it means that the virus, just by chance, there's a mutation that makes the spike protein more sticky, therefore more likely to enter our body, or it actually produces more virus in our bodies 
when it enters our body. So in other words, it's much better at replicating itself. Either way, it's more likely to infect other people than the previous virus, which means it outcompetes it. So over time, it elbows out the other virus because it's just better at infecting other people. And the only way a virus survives is by infecting, finding other people to infect. It doesn't live by itself. Changes in the spike protein make it more sticky or changes in its ability to replicate itself make it outcompete previous viruses like Delta. And Delta is bloody good at that. And if this virus is even better than Delta, it's amazing. If a virus is trying to find better ways to infect people, does that mean that they have to get worse over time? It's a survival of the fittest. So the fittest virus survives. Now, the fittest virus, coming back to this notion of milder, is not necessarily the virus that causes more disease. It's not in the virus's interest to kill people. It's in the virus's interest to make you a bit sick so you cough and sneeze and breathe out a lot of virus. That's what gets the virus to produce. It's not, it's not some evil-minded, nasty person in a thriller movie. This is a virus that just wants to survive. And if it can survive without killing people and it does that better, that's the way it'll do it. So mild, saying it's milder in terms of its disease potential says nothing about its ability to outcompete. That's simply another function of the virus, which is its ability to either multiply more copies of itself or stick eat more easily into other people and get into their bodies to multiply. So I'm hearing a lot today, Norman, that we don't know if it's milder or not, but I still want you to come and stand next to my Dr Norman Swan omicronometer of panic and let me know if we're keeping the panic level at a 6 out of 10 or whether it's moving up or down. So just a reminder, one is lying by the pool with a pina colada, 10, just stop eating for a moment, is brown trousers with bicycle clips. <laughs> and I think we're still wandering around the pool rather nervously. Okay, good stuff. I'm going to call that a five and a half. We're moving slightly less panicked. Yeah, a five and a half, I think. Yeah, if I, if, if I was the South African scientist, I suspect we'd be talking about five or 4.5. Well, that is very encouraging. Yep. Anyway, if you've got questions for us here at Coronacast, send them by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast and we'll be back tomorrow. See you then.